Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you once again this morning. And I, I just want to invite all of you in, if you haven't been with us, into this series uh, called Holy Habits. And if you have been with us, you know that this whole series called Holy Habits is about ushering us into the presence of God. It's all about us establishing a pathway for God to transform our inner lives. Uh, so we are devoting our inner life to God, and we are placing stepping stones of habit and routine uh, so that God will come and change us. That's, that's what this series is all about. And for many of the habits that we have talked about and many that we will talk about, I have, I have uh, tried in my life uh, to make those a part of my regular routine, to, mark them, to make them part of my uh, everyday action to things that I do on a regular basis. And you probably have too. But if you're anything like me, there's one habit that, well, quite frankly, there's this habit uh, that I know that I probably should do. Uh, there's this habit that, that I just, well, I, I haven't gotten into it with a, a great deal of frightening regularity. I haven't made it a routine. I have seldom made it an action in my life. And if you're anything like me, uh, the habit of fasting is not one that you have engaged in on a regular basis. Oh, sure, I've done it once or twice or maybe three or four times, but, but I've failed to do it on a regular basis as a routine, as an action to try and uh, usher me into the presence of God, to allow God uh, to do great things in me. This habit, this routine, this action of fasting... Well, it's not one that I have regularly gone about doing. It seems like it's that lack of food that I don't like. Now, I have good news for you. Uh, this last week I was reading along and I found out that um, in some places in the country, people are going to health spas and they're paying nearly $3,500 a week uh, for health professionals to walk them through a regimen of fasting. Now here's the good news part of it. I am going to give you a great deal today. The deal is, I'm only going to charge you $350 to hear this sermon about fasting. Isn't that a great deal? Okay, I'm not really going to charge you $350. I wouldn't do that. But this morning, I really do want to talk to you about this habit of fasting. I want to talk to you about this discipline of this stepping stone of going times without food. And so that we can do that, I just want to walk through a couple of things, a few things with you this morning. The first, I want to talk about what is fasting? What is fasting? Now, how do we define fasting? I want to walk through with you. In addition, I want, to, I want to talk about how we prepare to fast. I want to talk to you about our heart approach uh, to how we can go about living without food. How is it that I ought to approach this? And finally, I want to talk about why. Why is it that you and I should even begin to consider going a time going a meal without food. It seems rather ridiculous, doesn't it? I want to give you a reason that you should consider, that you should think about fasting. Now, there's all sorts of biblical texts that really talk about fasting. 
I mean, there are people throughout the Bible that we find fasting, but, uh, but the one I want to start off with this morning is Jesus Himself. So would you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel? Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first of the Gospels mentioned, and it's the first book of the New Testament. So would you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel? And I want you to turn with me to chapter 4. Turn with me, go ahead, uh, get those Bibles open, get it on a phone, get it on a a hard copy from the shelf, and uh, go to the back end of your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 4. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is preparing for His earthly ministry, and He's sent by the Holy Spirit, we, we come to find out, and He's sent out into the desert. Now, why He is sent by the Holy Spirit into the desert really is another sermon, but uh, we find that as He's in the desert, He is fasting, and it's a result of that fast that we realize what fasting is. Jesus is out, and He's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and there's a result of that fasting that tells us what fasting is. So if you've turned to Matthew chapter 4, I want to Uh, have you look with me in verse 3. Excuse me, in verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and here's the result, he was hungry. What is a fast? How is it that we ought to define fasting? Well, as the Bible considers fasting, fasting is about going without food. It is the deliberate act, it is a, a conscious act to say, I am going to go without a meal. In the Bible, fasting is about going without food. And it's going without food for Uh, Sometimes a short time and sometimes a long time, but however long that you have decided you and the Lord work out how long you should go without food, uh, fasting is a period of time where you abstain from food. It's a lack of food. It's just quite simply that simple. Uh, Jesus went out and when He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, uh, He deliberately abstained from food. Now here's the deal, when we fast for a spiritual reason, when we come and we, uh, we desire to, to make fasting a holy habit, when we try and make it a routine that's a stepping stone, uh, that God would continue to change our inner life, then fasting is about hungering for God more than we hunger for a meal. Fasting then is about having this deep anguish of desire and hunger for God of heaven uh, more than we have a desire uh, for the dinner bell. That's what fasting is. At its core, fasting is about uh, us and it's about God and it's about us saying, I'm going to empty my tummy, but I am going to open up my heart uh, so that God can do something special in me. That is what fasting is, church. And so when you and I gather together and we hear about fasting or we hear about someone else fasting, you need to know what it's all about. 
It is about deliberately abstaining from food over a period of time that you and the Lord have decided uh, so that you can empty your tummy, you can open your heart so that you can hunger for the Lord more than you hunger for a meal. That's what fasting is all about. And there are characters, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that throughout Scripture, uh, consistently have allowed themselves uh, to empty their tummies and open their hearts so that God would do something special. I mean, let's think about the major characters in Scripture who have fasted for a moment. Moses, uh, the great leader over all of Israel, the one uh, whom God would use to deliver Israel from Egypt and the land of slavery, he fasted. David, the great king over all of Israel, who, who brought the nations together, uh, the one in whom uh, the Christ would come, the Messiah would come from his line, uh, he fasted. We find that Esther, the great queen, uh, who we're going to learn in great peril, she fasted. And there are character after character. Paul, the apostle, uh, the one who was going to, to deliver the people uh, or deliver God's message of salvation to those who were not Jews anymore. That's you and me. He fasted. And when they fasted, they understood what the fast was. It was deliberate abstention of food. It was saying, hey, I'm going to miss a meal, but my heart's going to be open to God. My tummy is going to be empty, uh, but my heart is going to be open. It was a hungering for God more than a hungering for a meal. And when you and I, when you and I decide, church, when you and I decide that we can fast, when we're ready to fast, what we're saying is, God, I am so hungry for You. I am more hungry for you than I am for dinner. And I'm ready to come after you. And when we are going to fast, we need to prepare. The key to a good fast is our preparation. The key to a, a good readiness to go without food is our approach to it. Now, when I'm saying preparation and approach, I'm not saying uh, that we need to do a carb load the day before we go on a fast. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going down to the buffet and making sure that we get 10 plates a couple of days before uh, the fast so that we're ready so that our bodies can handle it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your inner life. I'm talking about your kind of preparation that you need to do in your heart and in your mind and in your soul uh, to make sure that you are ready to stand before God with an empty tummy but an open heart. That's what I'm talking about. And Jesus uh, actually gives us uh, some clue as to how we are to approach God uh, and how we're we are to approach this kind of thing. When we make this discipline, when we make this habit part of our life and we step it out there before God and we want a pathway so that He can change us and we decide that we're going to go to fasting, uh, Jesus gives us some instruction as to how we can go about doing that in the right way. In fact, it happens in a really famous area of Scripture. It's a famous area of Scripture uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. 
The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And in Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus hones in on three righteous sorts of activities, uh, three activities that are really focused on who God is and all that He has done. And He, and he takes these three activities and He says, hey, if you're going to do these things, then you have to do them in the right way. You have to approach them in the, in the correct manner. You have to prepare your heart uh, so that you don't get scared in your motivation and end up doing them in a way that dishonors God. And there were three things. It was giving, it was praying, and it was fasting. These were three things in the Jewish life that were constant. And Jesus says, I want you to do them right. And I want you to hear what He says. So if you're with me, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 16. He says, when you fast, when you fast, not if you fast, not maybe someday when you decide to fast. No, he says, when you fast. He seems to be making the assumption uh, that if you are a follower, that you are going to engage at some point in this holy habit, in a routine, in this action of fasting. He says, when you fast. And then he gets to our approach. And then he gets to the preparation. Listen. He says, when you fast, don't, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigured their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, you put oil on your head and you wash your face. Why? so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, hey, if you're going to fast, you have to approach it in the right way. You have to have the right heart about it. You cannot approach a fast. You cannot prepare for a fast and say, well, oh man, everybody's going to think that I'm really super righteous. Uh, I'm, I'm going to show everybody uh, just how spiritual I am. I'm going I'm to let everybody know in my small group. I'm going to let everybody know in my Sunday school class. I'm going to text some of my friends. I'm fasting today because I love Jesus. And Jesus says, if that's your motivation, then here is all the reward that you will ever get. Way to go. He's saying, hey, if, if you're looking for people to recognize that, that you miss lunch or that you miss dinner, he's saying, then you have the wrong motivation and that you probably shouldn't do this. But when you fast, you need to approach this with grace, with mercy, with trembling. And you need to approach it to say, God, this is about You. And I'm going to make sure that I do my part. I'm, I'm not going to try and draw attention to myself by, by making sure that everybody knows that they're eating, but I'm not. I'm not going to text anybody. I'm, I'm certainly not going to tell any of my small group members that, hey, this Friday I'm fasting. No. No, he says, 
when you do it right, when you approach it right, when you prepare right for a fast, you do it for the audience of one. You do it so that the God of heaven, the God of of all creation, the God of heaven and earth, that He sees you and that you will accept that He will give you the reward. That you don't need a reward here on earth, but you're looking for the reward in heaven. That you're going to wait on Him for whatever reward His grace is going to provide. Hey, if we're going to fast, if we're going to be hungry for God, if we're going to empty our tummies but open our hearts, if we're really going to hunger for God more than we hunger for a meal, uh, He says, I want you to approach it in the right way and recognize that God's watching, so do it right. You desire to connect with God? You desire for Him to change you? Then do it in the right way. And when we do it in the right way, it just gives rise to why we should do this. When we open up our hearts because we've emptied our tummies, (laughs) it means that that we're ready to understand why we ought to consider doing this. Uh, Church, there is good reason for you and I uh, to come around this idea and around this habit so that we can allow God to change us. So, why should you consider it? Uh, Why should you and I, why, why ought we think about fasting why should we think about going without food what's one reason that you and i can begin to walk through that makes sense to us as to why we should think about not having some meals in our life well one of the things that we need to learn from scripture is that god is powerful we must begin to believe that God is a powerful God and He can live and move in the lives of people like you and me in extraordinary ways. Why do we fast? Why should we consider even thinking about skipping a meal? We consider skipping a meal because we recognize the movement of God in the lives of people. We recognize the power of God and its availability in the lives of people. We fast because we believe in who God is and all that He does. And we want to empty ourselves so that we can say of God, I am fully and finally dependent upon You. And we say of God, God, I am so hungry for You. I am hungry more than I've been hungry than about anything else in my entire life. And I'm more hungry for You than I am of any meal. And I will, I will empty myself. I will empty my tummy and open my heart. And I will be hungry for You more than I am for a meal. And why should we do that? And we should do it because God is powerful and we believe it. That He's the one who can move mountains and He's the one who can move people and He can transform lives and He can heal people. And that's why we uh, avail ourselves and abstain from food and say, I'm going to go on a fast. And there are people throughout Scripture who have said, I am hungry for God. I am more hungry for God than I am for a meal. 
One of the people, one of the great uh, characters of Scripture uh, who we find fasting uh, in a tremendous story is a person by the name of Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. I heard you say it. Jehoshaphat. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, I mean, he is in great peril. Uh, He's in trouble up to his eyeballs. You see, there's some uh, uh, armies that are surrounding him. And he's thinking, i got to surrender. I don't know what to do. And in verse 3, he orders that everybody go into a fast. Listen to this. In chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, in verse 3, he says this. He says, alarmed, as you and I would be if there were three armies ready to kill us. He says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He says, hey, everybody's going without food. we got to stand before Jesus. we got to stand before God. They didn't know about Jesus just yet, but he was there. And it's followed by a prayer. And I want you to hear this prayer. In a moment of fasting where they've emptied their tummy, they've opened their hearts, they're hungering for God more than they're hungering for a meal. Uh, Jehoshaphat uh, prays this prayer before God. He cries out to him, and I want you to listen to what he says. In verse 10 through 12, he says, But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whose territory, territory excuse me, you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. In other words, hey, you, you wouldn't let us go after them. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? And here it is. Our God. Our God. Verse 12. Our God. Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Did you catch that? Jehoshaphat comes and he's before the Lord and he orders a fast and it's empty, empty tummy and open heart. I'm hungry for you. I'm dependent on you. I, I care more about what you think than what I care about the next meal. And I need you. I have no power in this situation. I have nowhere else to go. I can only go to you you and if you know the end of the story God provides in an incredible way uh, and 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 people are able to see the power of God and the movement of God working for the people of God and it's extraordinary and then there there is uh, people like Esther you see Esther is a queen and um, she's a she's a Jewish queen Okay, uh, but, but she isn't known yet as the Jewish queen. Nobody yet knows that she's Jewish. And she's in a pagan kingdom. Uh, she's not a part of the, the uh, kingdom of the people of God. And yet God has seemingly placed her in this very situation. And there's a whole plot that un- unhatches, that is unlocked in the book of Esther. And God's people are going to be absolutely eradicated. And yet the one person that stands in the way is Esther. And she's desperately afraid. You see, it was against the law to go to the king without the king inviting you in. And it's a whole big thing. And yet, she finds out about it. And you know what she does? She orders a fast from her people. She orders a fast from her people. She says, I want you to fast for three straight days. And in those three straight days, those are going to be preparation days of stuff I'm going to be doing with God. And I'm going to go see the king and see if we can't put a stop to it. And you know what happens? 
As she is hungered for God, God comes through and shows Himself and His power and His movement among God's people. Isn't that amazing? And then there is this, this old woman, Anna the prophetess. We read about her in Luke chapter 2. And, and she has been praying night and day. She's been praying and fasting, in fact, night and day. And she has abstained regularly from food uh, so that she could hunger for God, so that she could empty her tummy and open her heart. And she's been doing this over and over and over again. In Luke chapter 2, uh, Luke just kind of mentions that here is Anna the prophetess, and here comes Jesus, and she gets to see exactly what it was that she had been praying and fasting for, the very redemption of all all of Jerusalem and Israel because she got to see the Messiah. And God once again was about being powerful God, moving among His people and transforming them. Do you see a pattern beginning to arise here? In Nehemiah chapter 9, Nehemiah recognizes that uh, people need to hear from the word of the Lord and they need to repent of their sins and all the sins of their ancestors. And so he orders them to fast. He says, you need to open your lives to God. You need to hunger for God right now more than you hunger for a meal. Church. Do you hunger for God more than you hunger for a meal? Are you willing right now to say, I'm willing, God, to empty my tummy so that I will open my heart to you and your movement because I actually believe that you have power to move in people's lives. Church, do you? Do you have a hunger for the power and the movement of God in your life? You see, as we walk through Scripture, we recognize that there's all sorts of reasons that people fast. Let me ask you this. Are there those of you in the last year or two or maybe three or four who have lost someone who has died that was close to you? It was a father, it was a spouse, it was a child. It was a family member, it was a dear friend. And you're still struggling with that loss. If you believe in the power of God, then perhaps it's time for you to be hungry for God and skip a meal and start fasting. Is your life encountering some great peril right now? Is your business uh, going down the tubes? Is your farmland not doing what you had hoped it would? Uh, it, are there bills stacked up on your kitchen counter uh, higher uh, than you want them to? Is it creating a stress for you uh, that you can't hardly bear anymore? And you're wondering, God, what is going on? Uh, perhaps it is that it's time for you to be more hungry for God and His presence uh, than it is hungry for a meal, and it's time for you to fast because you believe in the power and the movement of God in your life and in the lives of others. Maybe it's time. Is it possible that some of you are, are desperately trying to reconcile a relationship 
and you desperately love this person, and, and yet the relationship that you once had isn't there anymore, and you, you, you want to, to recreate the, uh, you know, a, a bond in this relationship again. You, you want it to be tight as it once was. And yet you're not sure how to get there. Is it possible, church, that as you try and look at that relationship with a husband or a wife or a a sibling or a friend or a colleague, is it possible uh, that it's time for you to be hungry for God and less hungry for a meal? Is it possible that it's time for you to say, I'm going to empty my tummy and open my heart and I believe in the power and the movement of God among His people? Maybe as I speak these words, some of you are thinking about your own marriage and, and as you crawl in bed each night, you know that there's just a cold shoulder on the other side and, and both of you right now are sitting there thinking, I don't know uh, how we are ever going to love each other again. I don't know how uh, in the world God could do something uh, that, that would bring us uh, into a loving, harmonious relationship uh, where we actually uh, respect and appreciate one another and what God has done uh, for the other person. Where I can actually begin to celebrate my spouse. And you're thinking, uh, my marriage is in, in great disarray. Can I also ask, are you hungry enough for God that you would skip a meal? that you'd believe that God could work in a powerful way in your marriage and that you would empty your tummy and open your heart and you would say, God, move in a powerful way. I don't know how you're going to do it, but begin begin with me and use me to change my marriage. And maybe it is that some of you are, are, are looking at a dark cloud of a health concern that has come up recently for you and you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And it's not fair, and I, I, want, I don't want to have to deal with this, and yet you're dealing with a reality that you didn't ask for. Is it possible that you could be hungry for God and believe that in crying out to Him, He would respond as a powerful God who moves among His people? You see, church, when we hunger for God more than we hunger for the next meal, we fast. Because we believe in the power and the movement of God among His people. When we are willing to empty our tummies and open our hearts, we fast. Because we know what God can do with willing people. In the last couple of weeks, I was thinking about um, a particular person in my life. Uh, he, he's a coach, and and uh, and he was looking for work. Uh, he was trying to find another coaching job. And there were a number of jobs that had begun to open up, and. And I got to know him in a, in a very unique way through, through this time in his life where he wasn't sure what was coming next. And, and he's looking for work and he's trying to find a job and he's interviewing in a number of places. And you know what happened? He got the door shut in his face several times. It seemed like he was always the finalist or he was al- almost there or 
uh, it was almost the right fit. And in that process, he said, I'm going to trust the Lord. Maybe like I haven't ever before. And he said, you know, I, I'm not telling you when, but he said, I, I'm just gonna, I've decided that I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast and pursue God. Here a couple weeks ago, I heard from that friend. And he was hired at a great school so that he can go coach again. Now, I'm not here to suggest that God is a slot machine God. We just pray and fast and we get whatever we want. That would be the wrong motive. That would be the wrong approach and the wrong preparation. But I am saying this. When we practice this holy habit of abstaining from food, of fasting, we proclaim to God, I am more hungry for you than I am for dinner. I am willing to empty my tummy and open my heart. Church, maybe it's time to fast. Let's pray. Gracious God, I love you. We love you. And Lord, our heart belongs to you. Lord, as we go about great big decisions, as we grieve, as we seek reconcile, as we pursue big decisions, Lord, we fast because we believe in you. Move. Move in powerful ways. Ways we can't really even begin to imagine. May we be hungry for you. May we empty our tummies and open our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.